every day. Amazing humans are connecting with their power as individuals to change the lives of others, to create opportunities, to fight injustice, to care for the planet. It's my mission to raise these amazing humans up and in harnessing the power of their stories, bring energy, passion, and inspiration to your day, to connect you with your unique abilities to impact the world. Every time you click play on this show, you will be inspired, empowered, and reminded that with every decision, you have the ability to touch lives and leave a positive legacy. Thank you for joining us as we share stories from across the world. Thank you for believing that you can make a difference. This is Impact Stories with Nick Kershaw. Hello, welcome to Impact Stories with Nick Kershaw. It is awesome to have you joining us. And as I said last week, incredibly exciting to have seen the growth again in listenership week on week, month on month. So thank you so much. If this is your first listen, welcome and thank you for choosing to click play. Now, in my little corner of Wales, the sun is out. I've been working outside a bit and the energy, the positivity I'm feeling from that is amazing. The chickens, we have chickens here, are in full song in our garden as they they run around themselves because they've had to spend a load of time inside quarantined as well due to avian flu. Bet you didn't know that. So it's fair to say that today my advice to you is be like the chickens and head outside. I think we've all been huddled up inside for a lot of these last 14 months. So I implore you today, find some time, hop outside, work outside, take a call outside. Let that energy lift your spirits and inspire you. And if you are outside, just take it in, breathe it in, enjoy this moment. And now listen to today's chat, which is with the brilliant photographer, Adam Dickens, who runs an organization called Taking Pictures, Changing Lives, a foundation created to bring local content creators to the forefront of charity storytelling. This is a huge theme we're seeing in the charity sector. And Adam has been at the head of this, ahead of his time, I guess, for years now, training up, kitting out and employing his team of photographers across the world. Put simply, Adam comes alive when he's in front of his photos. He will be the first to admit that speeches are not his preferred method of communication. He lets his photos do the talking. So with that in mind, If you've ignored my previous advice and are listening to this indoors, bring up his website, changinglives.photo. That's www.changinglives.photo and look at his photos as you listen. And whilst you're there, and you'll hear more about this in the interview, this entire program is funded by his annual crowdfund, which you've guessed it started just this week. Uh, The timing is not accidental. So I implore you to support and share this concept as it's been immensely powerful for the organisations he has supported who would never normally be able to afford a professional photographer, as well as the photographers themselves, who've been able to build careers, support their families via the work Adam has made possible. That's it from me. Here's my interview with Adam Dickens. Adam, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Yeah, it's good to see you again, Nick. It's been, I can't remember when we last saw each other in person, but it's, yeah, it's wonderful. It would have been when we said goodbye in Guatemala. Uh, Um, Yes, after spending a week running up and down a volcano and then trying to get back home again. Yeah, you had a much. yeah, you had a difficult journey home, didn't you? From Guatemala. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, no, I mean that 
first 24 hours when I really didn't think I was going to be able to to get home. Um, it was as simple as that. I didn't think that there was any way. I was sat at the airport. There was three flights left, all of them overbooked. Mm. Um, US was going to close its border for UK citizens to transit through. And I had no idea, really. And, and yeah, it was a it was a crazy time. And I think, mm. well, I mean, yeah, before we sort of fly into stuff, you as a traveler as well, you know, I think that, that what was so crazy about that moment was that we didn't know, you know, as, as British men, you don't mm. tend to have too much of a problem traveling and going across borders. And it was a real moment when you recognize the privilege that we've had for the years prior that we have never had. To, you don't turn up in the country worried about whether your passport's going to be accepted or your visa or those things. You don't have those worries. It's a conscious thought. Uh, and to be at an airport with no ability to leave the country was a first for me. And I, you know, massively appreciated more uh, the privilege I've had for for 33 years of, of crossing borders without without a second thought. Uh, I, I guess it must be the same for you in that respect. Yeah, I've had sort of 11 years of sort of traveling, well, just 11 years of doing photography in the four charities and four NGOs and jumping around countries and some trips I was doing three different countries in one trip and 22 planes I think we did in one in one um, month so it was there was a lot of just oh this this is what we do this this is easy uh, and then I came home from Guatemala and I was at Miami airport to a few days before um, lockdown in the UK and the place was deserted and it just felt like it, it just felt like another world really I mean, we we've been we had the, the, mm. the uh, XR medics team with us on our on that marathon trip and they had an insight into what was going to be happening mm. back in the UK. So I was hanging out with them on the last couple of days and getting increasingly nervous about coming back to the UK because <laughs> I knew from them what was it, what, mm. what the situation would be. Uh, and then sure enough, yeah, I came back and so the last photograph I took was probably um at the finishing line in Guatemala. Um at the, uh-huh. that's the last photograph I'd I've taken with my Canon camera um, for a year now. Wow. It's been it's sitting over there in the corner, just redundant because there's no photography in this country so, either. <laughs> yeah. So when we, when we zoom back, so you've been on the road 11 for years before that you were a musician. Is that right? Yeah, loosely. So I've been, I mean, <laughs> some people say loosely, I've been playing music uh, instruments since I was three. Um, almost didn't start because my parents heard the recorder that I brought home from school apparently and were just disgusted by the sound I was making for it but they allowed me to Is there, can anyone make a recorder sound good? Mm-hmm. I don't think so <laughs> uh, and then I went on to, I went on to clarinet and that's the same thing it's it's an instrument that just mm-hmm. you have to be good at it to make it sound good and I wasn't very good at nine but then I went yeah I went to saxophone when I was t- uh, 12 um, alto and tenor and soprano over the years, teenage years. Got into playing keyboards as well, taught myself how to play keyboards. Got into a band at 35, um, sorry, 15. And I've been playing in mm-hmm. sort of bands for 35 years now. So giving my age away a little bit there. But I've always been a musician. <laughs> and that was my original passion. But a few things happened along the way, which, which changed that. And so, and so what, then, what then happened to, to find yourself in photography? I was I was working just in a bit of a dead end job really, and 
the person who employed me said, you need to leave this job and go to university. You need to go and study something because you're too good to be here. He said, I was stacking shelves and running a PA company or helping run a PA company. So I went to university at 27, one of the elder, the older students at the time. And so a mature student studied commercial music in university of Westminster and very quickly realized that I wasn't going to be a professional musician because there were so many good people on that course. So I got into the business side, started working for um, sort of part-time for a media company that were streaming before YouTube, this was, they were streaming the, the videos huh. for the major labels, the, the, the music videos. So I worked for that company for a while and they started building websites. Uh, a bit of a long story short, 10 years later in 2009, I've been asked to build a website for a charity and that charity were running a school in Zambia. And the lady who ran the charity said, well, you take pictures, so you can go to, to Zambia, you can go and live at the school for a week and take some pictures, and then we'll do a gallery event with those pictures. So I was basically thrown into it, thrown into being mm. a, a photographer in Africa, and I really didn't want to go because <laughs> I was, I'd seen the pictures from the school. I, I knew the background of the boys that I would be staying with because they, they came from a, a town next door which had half a million people living mm. in that very, very small space. And there was only 400 spaces mm. at the school. So these boys, they, they, knew, they, they missed where they lived. So they, they, they struggled with yeah. the restrictions of being in school. So I was a bit nervous about going to stay in their dorm for a week, but I did it. And I'm very glad that I did because it, it led to a love of taking pictures of people, really. It's not... It's not the place for me, it's, it's people and being able to draw mm. their character out of the photos that I take. So we use those pictures and we raised... So after that, you you came back from Zambia, you, you, you know, those photos were used by the organisation. Did that, was it immediately like a moment of, okay, cool, I need to be able to, to do more of this. I need to find ways to support charities with, with this storytelling. What, what, how did you transition mm. into, into doing this? almost full-time well back then i thought that would be my last trip well i didn't think i didn't see any opportunities really to do anymore which worried me because i loved it and we'd raised fifty thousand pounds in a in a gallery event in london with those pictures and i wanted to do more i was hungry to do more and i have a, a friend of mine who was working with a charity called five talents back then and he said well there's an event with Sandy Toxvig, and a charity event that the charity running, and I, I'm not going to go because I've got other plans, but you should go on my behalf and go and tell them that you're going to go on a trip for them and here's what you've done, show them what you've done, and, but just go there and be confident and say, I can take pictures for your, of your projects in Uganda. And so I did this, <laughs> went to the event, found um, the CEO at the time and told him that I was going to go on the trip. And as soon as I mentioned the mutual friend, that, that gave the sort of credibility to me as a, as a photographer. Mm. Um, and then I, yeah, then I went on a trip. It was a year later. So it took a year of battling with not being, not going on trips and not doing photography because I knew I wanted to do it. But it took a year between the first trip and, and the second one. And then, yeah, we did the same thing. We raised, we, we um, hired the same gallery. We ended up in a place called Kibale, yeah. sort of south of, 
right down south of Uganda, which I'm sure you've been uh, to. Yeah, so. yeah. Right on the river. Just near Lake, just in Lake, uh, Lake Banyan. That's one with the island and a very remote yeah. retreat on the island as well. Um, yeah, on the on the Rwanda border. And we did the same thing. We took pictures of the projects. And it's all very new to me then. So I made loads of mistakes in the way that I yeah. photographed people and... We'll talk about this sort of through the inter- through this podcast, but back then I just yeah. took as much as possible, um, including driving down the main roads in Uganda, taking pictures out the window with people on the streets, which we know we shouldn't do. Mm. We also got stopped. <laughs> we got stopped by police a few times for doing this because the the um, camera I was looking, uh, I was using at the time, was big white lens that, from a distance, looks quite threatening, <laughs> should we say? Mm. So we got pulled over a few times for that lessons you learn along the way and so you you, you get mm. there you do that five talents again fundraising comes off the back of it now it starts to look like actually there's a lot in there when it comes to photography as a storytelling device but also as a fundraising device yeah um what is it do you think you know when you put up a gallery like that and the focus is fundraising what are you looking for in the photos that you're taking to be generators of money i think it's it's, well, it's using photography as a, an, a, an insight into uh, another, other people's lives, really. That if, if you're in, the, if you're a supporter of that charity, it really helps to be able to connect visually to the projects that you're supporting. Mm. So I, I've always, I've always wanted to take natural photographs of, of people, of their situations, but show them with dignity and show them with respect, rather than just. Mm. Here's a here's a here's here's a community um, on the other side of of Africa, um, but I need to make that connection with with the with the people in those projects and the supporters of the charities. by doing it in a, mm. in a dignified way. I think that's what I what I've always enjoyed about your photography is you try and capture people at their best and not at their most vulnerable or their worst. And I think that that's that's a really kind of empowering process. And I think when I, when I look at it in terms of the content that organizations, small organizations and large, are producing in order to raise awareness, um, often it's the more shocking, the better. But you've gone down the approach of, of looking at it from a perspective of how do I raise this, this subject up mm. rather than, than what, how do I share this person at their worst? Yeah, yeah it's about treating people or showing them as, as worthy of respect rather than objects of pity, and which is a lot of what we've seen from historically from photography, from uh, sort of big fundraising campaigns. Do you feel a pressure sometimes to, to capture the other side of things? Do you feel a pressure to, uh, to find that shot that's, that does that? I mean, sometimes. I mean, I've, I've taken those kind of shots. Um, they, just, they just never get used because they don't, they don't re- really fit with the narrative of the charities that we're working with because they, mm. they, they don't show respect. They just show a situation, a terrible situation, but there's no sort of background to that person, to that story. So, so you know, you you started, you've got five talents who you still work with today. That's how we met with five talents when you were over in Kenya yeah, with them. Five years had ago. the race on. Um, five years ago. Is it five years? Yeah. I think it was. 20, 2017. 2017. Yeah. Um, that was our first race in Kenya. Yeah. So by that time, you were doing every single year, you were crowdfunding. 
And then this is, I'd never come across this in the terms of photography world. So you'd started wearing five talents, but you'd also then started to build out other charities that you were then working for and crowdfunding in order to be able to do that work without charging the charities. What inspired that? How did you start doing that? It, it seems to me to this day, I'm still always blown away by it. Yeah, but well, we, we were part of a collective of creatives uh, called Creatives Hub. A uh, friend of mine, very inspiring person, started this group. And we used to meet once a month uh, and we used to sort of inspire each other with our projects and help and help build those projects up. Uh, and we had one particular event where we had a crowdfunding company that came along uh, called Goodfruit, who sadly no longer exists. But at the time in 26, 2014, this was, they came along and spoke about their work and they were trying to find projects that they could, they raise, they could help raise money for. And my idea was, Okay, we've been to the school in Zambia. What do they need? They need a, let's say, a pipeline being dug, a freshwater pipeline, into the school grounds. So I thought, well, I could do a, I could do a crowdfunder just to raise money for that pipeline and raise a couple of thousand pounds. They said, well, don't, why don't you raise money to visit the project, to take photographs, raise money for, say, three or four projects, and then use those photos to raise money through those charities, and then you'll raise a lot more money. So. We did this. We raised ten thousand pounds in that so first it, event. It was the crowdfunding platform that came out of that idea, or the charities. It was the crowdfunding platform, uh, and then we approached wow. the charities themselves. And it was Five Talents and yeah. the Zambia charity, and a small charity in Sri Lanka and that I'd met on a previous trip. I, I, I was in Sri Lanka, and I met this charity um, in a coffee shop in a Starbucks. I think yeah. it was. <laughs> um, they saw me editing my pictures on a laptop in in this very very strange starbucks that was trying to be starbucks but wasn't it was it was just a chance chance moment <laughs> chance event chance moment and um, sitting yeah. In, yeah sitting in sort of 14 degrees um central but sort of air-conditioned starbucks and this lady said oh you're a photographer yeah. do you want to come and photograph at work we work around the whole island and we work with street kids and mothers and we provide mothers of work and so so i thought hey that that's a good charity support so they they became one of the first yeah. trips that I did, and from the first set of crowdfunding. Yeah. And so, yeah, you, you crowdfunded that ten thousand pounds. How many trips did that fund then? After that, uh, it was four. We tried to raise money for four trips for four charities. We ended up yeah. visiting five different projects in the end. As wow. as ever, we spend everything we have. So we end up with at the end of that year with no money. And I was thinking, well, are people yeah. going to support this again? But we've done six. Well, we've been raising money since 2014 and we've raised over £100,000 now in that time. Yeah. There's a core set of supporters I have, about 26 people that have raised 60% of that money between them. So it's mm -hmm. a small, very, very low right. set of people. And they just, they love what I'm able to do with photography. But equally, once we've changed our model recently, as we'll get onto in a minute, but they've continued supporting this is it. all the well, changes. Yeah, let's, let's get let's let's jump straight into that you know um this isn't you know it's, it's it's an interesting one because we've done something similar this year the two of us we're with impact and with taking pictures changing lives in that we've been talking about a model change for two years or so both of us mm -hmm. in terms of how do we do certain things how do we empower local uh storytellers local entrepreneurs local race directors um to take the lead uh, and also, how do we lower our own carbon footprint? Mm. And also, how do we not have to travel so much? The two of us have spent a lot of time on the road. You've got a daughter. Uh, and and I guess mm. the final and most important kind of how do we in that question was 
how do we take our middle class white British male filter out from the storytelling and empower others to tell their story? So we've both been talking about this in our various little spots around the world. Every time we've met and chatted, we've both been going, how do we do this? What if, you know, you were already starting to make the moves on that with, with your photographers that you've been training up you're now changing the model quite significantly. What is that model that you were building and and what does it look like now going forward from sort of April 2021 onwards? Well, it did, as you said, I was traveling a lot. So I was traveling 17, 2017, 18 and 19. Each year I was away for three and a half months, which was a huge strain on my family, but also on, I had a huge carbon footprint as well. And it's just, it wasn't sustainable. But back in 2016, I did a trip to Uganda and Rwanda for an organization called the Grow, mm. Grow Movement. And they used to partner up a business in, in mostly Uganda and Rwanda with a business in Europe. And then they would do intense Zoom training for, for six months with that business to help them sort of grow that, grow their businesses. And one of those um, people was a photographer, a guy called Musa. Who's in Rwanda. And I met him by chance on the trip. They said it'd be great for you to meet him and his uh, friend Gaddy. So the two of them, we we had a quick meeting and we started talking back in 2016 how we could start working together. And back then I was still doing all the traveling, but I knew that I had to stop. I I needed to slow down and provide work for people other than myself. Um, So those conversations started started a seed and I went back to Rwanda a couple of months later just to meet Gary and Musa properly and their friend Busy who started following me on Instagram and he said well I'd like to meet you and I said okay yeah it'd be great so the three of us met and we then we started talking about the projects that they were passionate in and their sort of back history their, their story of how they became to be photographers uh, and they they all grew up through the 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 genocide in Rwanda, they, they, they don't have family of their own, well, they don't, they don't have parents. Um, they lived in an orphanage together. Mm. They had people invest in them with photography and trained them how to use cameras, gave them cameras, started that their journey as now professional photographers. What are the main challenges facing photographers? You know, in you know, let's just take uh, Musa and Busy and Gaddy as, as an example. Mm. Talented photographers, their work now, you know, has it's been shown all over the world. When you first met them, what were the things that they were most worried about, concerned about? What were the things that you went, okay, I can help with with this bit? Well, for them, photography is their, well, for, certainly for Musa and Busy, they're both professional photographers. That That is their work. Without work, without photography, without opportunities to photograph, then they can't earn money. So that was always the forefront for them to, they, they need to, to use this to, their skills to be able to, to create a living. Mm. So it was very, it was obvious that I had this list of charities that I, that I worked with. And rather than yeah. me fly 24 hours to get to a country, say Uganda, uh, and make lots of sort of internal trips as well to get to these projects, um, they could easily cross borders or they can work in their own countries. That, that, mm. uh, so it's much easier, much cheaper for them to actually work on the, for these charities. And then we can use the money we would have spent on travel to pay them a decent amount of money for, for working for us. So we always pay them the going rates in the, in the country. So yeah, rather than sending me, the white middle-class 50-year-old from the UK, 
to Miranda, <laughs> busy can get in an yeah. Uber and be there, be at a project visit within an hour or so. And we've done the same in Tanzania. We've got a photographer, a professional photographer in Dar es Salaam who, yeah, knows obviously he's, he's Tanzanian. And so he knows the, the cultures, the communities that we have sent him to. He just fits right in um, mm. rather than yeah. being someone that will always be an outsider by myself. And in some ways an attraction as well. And and I guess that the, there's an interest, you know, in some of those rural spots that you've been to, just you being there is an interesting event in and of itself. And then you're trying to capture natural capture people in yeah. a natural way. That must have been a challenge. Yes, and we've we've actively had to to sort of tone down the, the celebrations at times. Um, because we are there to work, we are there to capture natural photos. We don't want to be put on a pedestal. Uh, and we've had that a few times, particularly with sort of some of the, the microfinance organizations where you, you turn up and it's all about you. And that's the, the beauty of using local photographers because they'll turn up and it's a job and there won't be the celebrations. They'll just observe and photograph. And obviously get to know the communities first before they photograph and get their permissions, which is really, really important. Permission for taking yeah. their pictures and explaining what those photos are going to be used for. But after that, they're just left to work. And so, yeah, it's been very challenging um, being in those, for me, being in do, those situations. Do you, do you think that uh, the use of, of um, local uh, regional photographers helps you we talked a bit earlier about the sort of poverty porn aspect that is so frequent in in the photographic storytelling in, in charity do you think the the use of local photographers helps to to do that is that something that naturally happens or is it something you've genuinely talked about with the photographer and said hey look you know you you're going to get pressure sometimes to, to tell a story that others want to see but you don't see or do you kind of really encourage them to use their own like understanding of that community, their understanding of the area, and their understanding as as a black photographer what these photos really truly mean? Mm-hmm. Well, we used to try and give a quite a tight brief on for us photographers and from a Western perspective mm-hmm. for the UK charities that are supporting those projects. But we clearly we we, we early on realised that we just need to let them do their work, let them photograph what they see. Uh, and obviously there's going to be, I mean, we take a lot of pictures. So they'll take within a, a week, they'll take eight or 9,000 pictures. And I'd take more than that just because there's so many opportunities mm-hmm. and they're sort of one-off experiences as well in a lot of, a lot of cases. Um, but we always just now, I mean, for example, the guy in Tanzania that we're using, I sent him on a trip in December, in November last year, to uh, a place which was about an hour's drive or two hours drive, sorry, from Dar es Salaam. I just said, just do what you do. Mm. I know what your pictures are like. I know what you're yeah. like with 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 people. You're a people person. You get the best out of people. And the massive advantage is that he speaks the language as well. So we've we've, we've always had to have translators yeah. with us. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, we never. Well, I remember in uh, in Rwanda two years ago when I was uh, putting on the race for compassion there and we realized the day before the race I had to get to the market and get a load of stuff from buckets and stuff you know all this different mm. race kit and uh, busy came with me it was absolutely invaluable That's it. to have 
uh, and uh, the local language spoken because uh, yeah, my Kinder Rwandan is not is not strong at all. And and again, that's that's one of the great things about working with some of the some of the chaps within Taking Pictures, Changing Lives is how willing they are to get involved in all aspects of it. And I I feel like that helps. You know, you've helped us in in five six races now. Um, and because you've understood like the the concepts of what we're trying to do and and our weaknesses as well, you've seen where we're where we're lacking as a team. Mm. You're able to to focus in on telling the story that that we know is there, um, rather than um, just shooting lots of pictures for for the joy of shooting pictures. Yeah, rather than trying to manufacture a story for our for, for ourselves, just like, yeah, as you said, yeah, telling the story is there, uh, and sometimes that story is very different to what we've been led to believe on previous trips that I've done mm. where we've had a translator and the translator will say, well, you'll be listening to someone, someone speaking the local language and they'll speak for a long time. And then you'll get two or three words answer from the translator. Mm. And I had one particular trip in Togo, Northern, Northern Togo. Yeah. Uh, we, we had a translator that was there, microfinance group. Um, and they were explaining their businesses and we just we got a lot of positive feedback from the translator, but then my driver, who I'd hired for the week, was also understand. Mm. He was he was listening and very interested in what's being said. And when we drove away, he was saying, "Well, actually, that's not what the groups were saying. They were to explaining how hard things were." And mm. he went into a lot of detail. So having him was invaluable. So we used we used him on other trips as well. But busy, for example, will be able to sit in a in a, a meeting in Rwanda, and he'll know because it's his language. He can give a much more true picture back to the the charities that we've that he's working for. Wow! Than we would get if we hired a local translator, because there's always an agenda. The, tra- yeah. the translator doesn't want to paint a, a bad bit or bad view of what what we're seeing, even if there yeah, is. Yeah, and the reality is that that you know we've seen this throughout development the work of the organizations we support, even the great organizations that we're really, you know, proud to be working with, we see that that it's not linear. It doesn't just, things don't just sort of get better on, on the same increment every year. There are setbacks, there are challenges, and um, it can be difficult for charities, I think, to go back to their donors and their boards and say, hey, we this hasn't gone right. You know, we set up this project and and this has happened. But in that storytelling, is exactly where we find that the fundraising goes up. You know, when we work with organizations and we tell the stories of the ups and the downs they face and the the, the unlinear progress they've made, that those challenges are as powerful to raise money and tell a story as are, yeah, we've we've touched this many lives this year, we've done this, we've done this. All of those things are great successes, but but they're not the they're not the norm. And and if you look even just at this year as an example, we've all every single person in the world is united in the fact that we've been touched by the challenges faced this year. Some organizations have done phenomenally well, other organizations have struggled this year. That's okay. Um, those are the external circumstances that happen. But but what you're able to do by having those local photographers who are telling those stories of the ups and the downs and not just what what you know adam's coming to visit let's make sure we've put on a big display mm. you're actually able to bring to life some of the even more powerful stories that wouldn't normally get told i guess definitely yeah and this year has, has sort of really highlighted that that we need to use local photographers i, I knew mm. i was going to slow down i knew i was in guatemala that was going to be my sort of final trip for a while 
last year. But and we'd also yeah. but we'd also become a foundation. So we're now the Taking Pictures Changing Lives Foundation. And it sort of changes the way that we that we talk about ourselves. It's no longer Adam doing four trips or five trips a year that you're, we're fundraising for. We are fundraising to the, the money that we raise is helping photographers all over the world earn a living. And it's also helping us to get more real photography, more sort of natural photography from in their own countries. Mm. And the plan for us. And so, so you are you are about to start. You're about to start the crowdfund this year. What's the goal with this at the moment? What's your targets with this? You've transitioned. This is the first time that it will be um, into the foundation, um, and therefore, I guess, gift aidable as well. And your goal is now to really like hone in and, and take this model forward of bringing on board new photographers as well as continuing to, to drive work and support to the photographers that you've been working with for a few years now. Yeah, so it's, it's actually the second year of becoming of being able to raise money and to benefit from crowdfunding and um, benefit from mm-hmm. gift aid, which makes a big difference. Twenty five percent of of our donations and uh, an increase. But this year, when the aim is to find photographers in each of the capital cities of the countries that we have charities and, and NGO partners. So we have three, mm. obviously, in, in Rwanda. We have a guy in Tanzania. We've now got a guy I met through Facebook who said, I want to join your team. He lives in Colombo, in Sri Lanka. And I, <laughs> we've talked more, and he run, he's actually been running a photography academy for the last 11 years in Colombo, inspiring photographers, training those photographers and giving them opportunities to work. So his his sort of passion is aligned with mine, I think, with with the work that he's mm. that he's doing. And he's willing to travel anywhere within Sri Lanka, but he can also sort of fly over to India and and local or neighbouring countries, sort of just on internal on smaller flights. Mm. But yeah, the aim is to find more people like him really. And to grow the team across yeah. the world. And it's also connections that we, we both have in Guatemala. And I, mm-hmm. I'm, as soon as we're able to, I'm sort of really keen to, to provide as much work as possible on those three continents. Your role at that point transitions to talking to charities, finding different organisations who want and need the work that you're offering, but would never normally be able to afford to send you out and all of that sort of things. But instead, you know, can focus in on, the, on, on local storytellers in each, each of those regions. If I'm honest, last year for me was really, it's a real transition year because... I placed so much identity in being a photographer that travelled, and then that was stripped away completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had to think, well, what was the whole point of taking pictures, changing lives? Why, why was I doing it? And I realised it, it was to use creativity to make a difference. And it doesn't matter whether that's me or whether it's someone in in Rwanda. So long as those photos are making a difference, then I'm I feel fulfilled. So I went, yeah, I had a bit of a learning time through the year difficult learning time um, where things completely, completely changed. But I'm so grateful for my team because they've they've carried on mm. being able to do projects, uh, visit projects for us, very local projects. And through the early sort of the first lockdown in Rwanda, we set up some some projects for their our photographers, just local, sort of just to, to show the effects of coronavirus within their country and to document it. Mm. Um, quite diverse projects. One was in the middle, in a city. The other one was on a remote island in the northwest of the country, where there's one family that live on the island. And um, so we documented what what life is like for them. So mm. we tried to provide work for the for our photographers to keep them in work through that really difficult time, where they literally had no money, no money to 
to buy food or provide for their, their children and their families. And then we've sort of later in the year, we started doing some bigger projects. And they're starting to build up again now, do you feel? Yeah, we, I have, I've had quite a lot of charities that have asked us, they've said as soon as you're able to work, we want to use you. And so I do have a long list yeah. of the charities that I want to be able to support. And it's fantastic as well, because with, with the local network that you've got, the international travel bit becomes less of a barrier to getting the content that the organizations are needing right now. You know, you don't have to travel to Malawi and, and what, you know, cover, cover all the bases in terms of testings and the challenges of booking flight, all of the things that we're facing now. And we look ahead to, mm-hmm. to that. You can actually send dispatch your kind of your, your, your fast burgeoning army of, of local photographers. Now, when you're, when you're partnering, with a new organization, with a new charity, how much do you have sort of um, criteria for what you're looking for as a partner charity? Are there any organizations you wouldn't want to work with? Um, you don't have to name names, but what are the things that you're looking for in order to say, yeah, this is the right partner for, for taking pictures, changing lives? I think so long as the photos are going to be going to be used rather than sitting on a hard drive and posted on Facebook occasionally, there needs to be, sort of structure in that organization and sort of market people that can market and um, using the photos that we provide. And so that that's the key yeah. that's the key sort of thing that we look at. And also, yeah, if if those photos are going to make a difference, not just to the communities that the chances work for, but also people within that organization. So there's been an, there was one particular charity in Uganda and the program manager was also a mm. photographer. So he shadowed me on a couple of of the visits and I I think I left the camera there because I had, I was already upgrading my equipment at that point and I wanted it to go to a good home. Mm. So I said, well, if you, you use this camera, do a, a day's work for, for taking pictures, change your lives. And then that would cover the cost of that camera. So we, he was mm. an example of someone that worked for the charity, but also benefited from our support and WhatsApp training as well that we mm. did with him for a number of months just to, to upskill him. So yeah, there are, it's most. And so, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say yeah, the, the kind of charities okay. that we work for, mostly microfinance organizations that we're not, they're not just giving money, not just giving handouts to, to their partners. They are helping them to help themselves out of poverty. So certainly with those are the kind of projects that I'm really interested in and education projects. I mean, over the years, we've, as I've said, we've worked for, it's nearly 12 years now. We've worked for a lot of different charities and it's, mm. It's, it's just it's been amazing to see the difference that our photos have made to those organizations as well one particular organization in bristol i went on one trip for them back in 2014 before that trip they had one photo with a, of a lady from one of the projects with her eyes shut <laughs> so it was yeah. not a photo that's all they had i went on this trip and came back with over a thousand pictures of the f- final set of pictures that they hmm. that we gave to them we gift, gifted to that organization and in a couple of years, that organisation grew in um, in the staff that they had. They moved offices. They were able to sort of expand into different projects, and they attributed a lot of that to the strength of their marketing, which we had provided. And another organisation who I partnered with, a friend of mine who's a filmmaker, lives in lives over in Wales as well. Danny yeah. Danny Cardiff. He came to Uganda and Ghana with me on the trip. And created an amazing, mm. very powerful piece of sort of video content for an event that was then held in central London. And it raised 
with Matt's family raised over £600,000. Wow. Because it was, it brought people into <laughs> that world, which photography can do, but video can do it even better, I think. And, and you know, we've, we've, we've seen this year, you know, Comic Relief have come out and said they want to use local storytellers going forward as well. What's, what do you think that's going to, what are the key narrative changes that you're looking out for to see, you know, what are you expecting to see in terms of the content coming out of some of the larger organizations as well as they try and make this transition to, to local storytellers? Once these organizations start using local teams and local photographers, you'll, you'll get the, more of the true stories from from the projects that are being supported, rather than going in with mm. with a with a narrative that and trying to fit that project around your narrative. So yeah, I'm hoping, mm. but it won't. It may not be as glossy as you as we're used to seeing. But equally, with the right equipment, the photos that my photographers are taking are, I I think, are indistinguishable from mine because they've got the yeah. skills they've got, but they've got the camera equipment to use. And they've, with our photographers, we've provided that equipment through them working for us in some cases. In other cases, mm. it's their life, it's their business. So they've already got the equipment that's needed to create great photos. So once you combine the local focused eye and the storytelling from within the community with great equipment, it's a very, mm. it's a very exciting time for content creation in the charity sector you look at you know you've got the yeah we've talked before you've got the crowdfund coming up you've got this new move with a new model if there was if you could have one wish that would have an exponential impact on the goals of taking pictures changing lives what would that wish be to stop having to crowdfund <laughs> because every year really? yeah because every year it takes up a month of my time and it's quite an intense month of of funding um, and all the, the work that goes around that. And I've done it, as I've said, been yeah. every year since 2014. So what would make a big difference to us? Because every year we spend everything that we have and then we have to start again. So we need we need cash in the bank, basically. We need regular regular giving yeah. rather than one-off big sort of fundraiser. We, we need our support. We'd, we'd love it if our supporters would then give to us on a monthly basis. But equally to find yeah. funding in other in other areas. So from trusts and foundations, yeah. from yeah, businesses that have CSR budgets to spend. There's just so many Absolutely. opportunities for us to to use the skills of our photographers and to make a difference. Yeah. But we need to yeah, we need to be more sustainable as an as a business. Because yeah. it is a very, very small business. In the UK it's myself mm. and a writer. And she's, yeah. she works full time for another charity anyway. So she's great, but she doesn't have, she can't commit to this full time. And I also have a job still designing yeah. websites 20 years later. So <laughs> we need that regular. I mean, you know, we went, I went through the, the crowdfund experience I did in, in 2017, 2018, uh, with, mm. with Impact Marathon. And oh man, like every year when I see you go out for a crowdfund, my, my, my heart clenches a bit because it was the most all-consuming obsessive thing for that period while it's live you wake up in the morning the first thing you think about is the crowdfund you don't even sleep at night but if you did the last thing you think about is the crowdfund um someone says yeah i'm coming in for this amount and then it turns out to be half that you're like ah it hurts 
And it's just this, this thing, you know, to have to spend one month of every year focused solely on raising capital mm. when actually the fundamentals of what you're doing are so impressive and so unique within within your industry that uh, yeah, it always pangs a little bit to see it happening again. And it's great. And I'm always amazed by the fact you, 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 you're able to raise enough to, to go on for that one more year, one more year. Mm. But it would be amazing to be able to plan out for two, three, five years down the line as well. Yeah, that's what we, we, we want to be able to do to, rather than living hand to mouth, mm. which is what we are currently doing. And we have more people yeah. depending on us now. We have our team in Rwanda that they know the situation. They know that we raise money once a year, but equally they want to work. And then I said earlier that mm. obviously the primary focus is to earn money, but they've got such a heart for taking pictures that, that change lives. They're not, mm. they're not just, it's not just work for them. And it, for me, certainly it's never been, yeah. never been work. And I've given, I've donated a lot of my own time to this, to this project over the years because I believe in, mm. believe in what we're doing. And I know that our supporters do believe in, in, in what is possible with photography. And I was quite nervous yeah. when we started changing the model because I was wondering how many people are supporting this crowdfund because they want to support me as an individual and they want to see me go on trips. And there is a certain amount of that, but what we've just recently done is ask our key supporters why they support us. And we've had some really, really interesting comments back and they're all talking mm-hmm. about using local team and saying that that was, that was a genius idea to, to stop, yeah. you know, to, to use local people. And also to become a foundation because it gives us credibility. So they're, they're all on board still, which is gives me hope for, yeah. for this crowdfunding. Honestly, having known you for, for four years now, as we've assessed, I think it's it's a more exciting model now than it than it ever was before um, because there's scale to it. You know, you, you you couldn't be, as much as you tried, you as Adam couldn't be there in, one, in, in more than one place. And this way you can not only have more than one place, less carbon footprint, more local storytelling it just you know that creates funding into the economies in which your organizations are working anyway which lifts up in every single level it ticks more of a box mm-hmm. and i sound like a bit of a fanboy here um and i, I am and i, I and and because i've seen are. the difference that your work has made <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean i've seen the difference you, you, your 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 work has made to impact marathon and we're so grateful for what you've done for us as an organization that couldn't have really afforded to have photographers at every one of our races, particularly ones with such uh, a care for the social story as well as just the running or just the travel. That that it is something that I'm super I'm super passionate about, and local storytelling is so fundamental for the next phases of our of our sector as the charity sector as an impact sector. But also, this has incredibly powerful net repercussions that that will be felt across different industries and businesses and government. So it's not just cool, let's tick a box in the, in, in the charity sector. It really does create opportunity in all sorts of different ways. So sorry, I've just gone off and just told you how great you are for... for <laughs> well, there's a story in there. There is a, a few minutes. There is a story there as well, because before Impact, I was not interested in exercise at all. Um, I was, because I sit in front of a screen all day and that's what I do. But you've inspired me to get off my backside and... And now I cycle, now I do sort of 80, 90 miles a week cycling. And it's that's that side of it's changed my life. Yeah. So being around being on these trips and being around these runners is it's twofold really. It's it's inspired me to be to sort out my health, but it's also 
it's just amazing to see them engage with the projects that you are supporting. And for me, the, the projects, particularly because I didn't come from a, a running background, the projects were the main reason I got involved with Impact. Mm-hmm. And they'll be able to tell the story of those projects in Guatemala, Malawi, Kenya, Nepal, all those sort of projects that I've visited of your that impacts are now supporting. Mm. That was that was the, the main reason that I got involved with impacts. And then the, I've discovered a love of exercise being on a mountain bike and throwing myself down hills, which we, st- we still can't quite get we can't get you running yet though. You're you 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 steadfastly sat on the bike, which is fine. I mean this is it's great to see and you know we've we've obviously just physically seen your weight loss and now we can mm. we can get you marching up a volcano rather than going nick i think i should just stay down you know actually you know that's been a real joy for for me personally but for impact as a whole as well and and runners kind of come to events expecting you to be there and now expecting you to be to be slimmer every time they see you which is <laughs> uh which is pretty cool yeah. i guess puts a little challenge in your head as well so it does and this year is it's it's taken its toll, but I've got into walking, so I'm close to running. Walking's fast, and running may come after that. Yeah, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, these we'll see. Yeah, I I think I guess that leads really nicely onto our final question, which is the same question we ask everybody on the show because, and it's a really important question because there is so much. Um, it's so easy to be brought down and to feel negative when there is so much information out there that makes you think makes you feel pessimistic what is it that keeps you optimistic and i ask that on two fronts you as a person as in you wake up in the morning what makes you what gives you energy what gives you optimism but also you as a as a professional what are you seeing in your line of work in your industry in the world that makes you optimistic for for the future of humanity as a whole yeah i would say that but for me, what gets me up in the morning is is seeing the effects of the photography that we've taken over the years. Uh, whenever someone look on Instagram, there's a new photo that's been that we've taken for Impact or for one of the other fifty charities now that we've been working with, and just seeing seeing the results of of that that photography with the results of the work of those charities, and have, having seen that work firsthand, and also having nearly died seeing that work. And there was an accident I had back in mm. 2014. Um, this was right up on the Uganda border with uh, South Sudan. And it was a, it's a real sort of turning point in my life because it was just before we started crowdfunding. At that point, I was just paying for everything ourselves. And I went on that trip, had a very, very near miss with a bus. I was in the Land Rover and I won't go into detail, mm. but I could have died within within a second. If, we, if our driver hadn't reacted, I would have died. But I'd just come back from a really remote part of Uganda and the photos that we took were used by that charity to raise a lot of money for that community and turn that community around. They gave me purpose to my work. I felt like I was given a second chance, really, mm. because I could, if I hadn't visited that project, then who would have done? So I, mm. I just felt that at that point, I needed to use my skills and my creativity to, to, to make as much difference in the world as possible. So now I'm seeing my photographers who have a, a similar mindset to me and similar faith to me as well. And that's, that's a key part mm-hmm. of why I do what I do. I just, I want to use what I've been given to make a difference in the world. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that answers your question, but it's, it's the thing. It's Absolutely my, answers it, you know. <laughs> it's what gets me up in the morning is my obsession. It, this is a, this is an obsession. Taking pictures of strange lives is not a job. It's not business. It, 
is an obsession to use creativity to show the beauty that is there in the world and not to, mm. and yeah, and just to, to amplify that beauty through photography and now through film and through drone footage that we're able to do. So the more, the more yeah. photographers I can get, the more chances we can support, the more lives we can change and the more lives we can save as well. And one good example of that is a trip we did in February with a charity in Rwanda and my, one of my photographers, and they were partnering with a vitamin company. So distributing vitamins to yeah. 800, over 800 children around the country. So we joined them, well, my photographer joined them for two or three days and just documented their work. That, that charity is saving lives, literally, because these children are getting treatment yeah. that they wouldn't have otherwise got. And the photos are used to, to show the supporters of the vitamin organisation that, that their money is making a difference. So they will continue to give. It's, it's that sort of kind of cycle to it. So you, you, yeah, it's great because in some ways you're seeing um, very much firsthand the, the challenges that some and that all humanity faces at times, but you're also seeing some of the solutions. You're seeing uh, the generosity of donors. You're seeing the work of frontline uh, charity workers. You're seeing the innovative things. So you, I guess mm. you've got this wonderful world where you are, you know, you are, it's not like you're, you're not exposed to the challenges, but you're also working directly with the solutions which must be immensely rewarding and and help fuel that optimism definitely and compared to before when i was going on one trip which takes a lot of planning takes months of planning takes a lot of time to get there and you go for that snapshot that moment and then you leave now i've got mm. photographers that live in country i'm getting regular updates from them and we can we can do day trips to a charity just to, to a project just to get an update two months after they visited so we, we get constant feedback. And um, as we're speaking, there's messages coming through on WhatsApp from, from Busy, actually, just asking about another, are we ready for the crowdfunding because they're going to be supporting it. Great place to finish is how does someone support the crowdfund? This this is going to go out as you start the crowdfund. How does someone support it? And if they're listening to this in, in a year's time and going, hey, I want to listen back to some more episodes, how can they, they support you with a recurring uh, monthly donation mm. anyway as well? Yeah, so you just need to visit our website which is changinglives.photo forward slash 2021 um, from next monday from the 12th of april and that will be the um, that's the day we go live for this particular crowdfunder for a month if it's Brilliant. in a year's time then there's a big donate button on the website which gives you the option to regular that's it, that's it. it's there um, at the top uh, so you can either give on a one-off donation or you can give as a regular donation and we can also claim gift aid on those donations. But this is another change for us. The the first crowdfunding video I cringe at now because it was me to camera mm. talking about me as a photographer and my life and what I want to do and I want to go to Africa and yeah. it's very cringeworthy. Now, the video that we have for this year is our random photographers voicing it and I'm not on there at all. And it's just footage from the, all the projects we've created that we've, we've visited and the content we've created. So there's an, that's the other shift here. It's, it's taken me out of the equation, but it's still my um, sort of passion. And I will support these photographers as much as I can by providing work. But to do that, we need to raise money. Fantastic. Well, I, I have already said on this show just how much I believe in, in the process that you're doing. And I wish you so much luck. We'll be supporting from an Impact Marathon perspective. I implore everyone listening to to check out this crowdfund. It is genuinely innovative. It is genuinely different. Um, and that that really thrills me. 
And um, yeah, Adam, my final comment, um, because we are, we're running out of time right now, is just to say thank you. Thank you for the mm. friend you've been on a personal level. You know, you've seen some of the difficult times as well as some of the, the great ones as well. And the work that you've done for Impact has genuinely elevated our ability to tell our story and to tell the stories of the organizations we're supporting. So I'm immensely grateful to have you and, and having your, your team as well in my life. I'm really excited as to what we can do together both inside and outside of of impact marathon yeah it's been it's been a privilege and i'm so glad that for whatever reason five talents and impact got together and did that first that marathon in kenya because it got me got me on board really Um, and once you've got me that's yeah it's always a long-term connection so five talents i've worked for 11 years now um impact many more years hopefully absolutely brilliant adam thank you so much and uh we will talk to you very soon indeed thanks nick Hey, it's Nick here. Just a quick message before you go. If you have been inspired by today, if you've learned new things, then please leave a comment, leave a review, share it with your friends. It helps us to inspire and empower more people today. If you want to reach out, just message me on Instagram at NJKershaw. And until next time, go out there and be awesome.